What's up, guys? It's three-time NFL Pro Bowler All-Decade Return Specialist Josh Cribs. I want to welcome you to the College Sports Connection Podcast, where AA Alex and AJ host the Mid-American Conference Best. everybody welcome back to the college sports connection podcast i'm your host alex the captain joining me as always aj the guru what's going on everybody aj welcome back it has been a good couple weeks where we have used the interviews from the mac media day different coaches different schools gearing up for football season we're 17 days away from the kickoff of the 2021 mac football season i'm excited uh me too it's hard to believe here it's it's almost that time of year we uh, camp around the country not only in the mac but how all everybody's really in camp right now. Uh, you know, I think Ohio State starts the season off on a Thursday mm-hmm. uh, at Minnesota, and then everything kind of falls into place after that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got that, and then we've got uh, the NFL starting shortly after that. Sure. But uh, with the way we talked to our coaches and uh, player uh, over media day, which you guys have listened to, which hopefully you guys enjoy those interviews as much as we did, those coaches we talk, spoke to are very excited, very optimistic about this season. That's a full season. You know, they're allowed to have a training camp, which was huge this year. You know, coaches were very excited about the opportunity for the guys to get the weight room and work out more and prep for a full season. Uh, unlike last year, it was only six games, you know. So these guys are excited. They're ready to chomp at the bit to hit somebody else in another helmet. And we are excited to watch. Absolutely. And Today, we are going to break down how we think the conference is going to shake out. I know who I have going to the MAC championship more than likely doesn't line up with who you have going to the MAC championship, but I'm excited to get into this. We're going to start with the East Division first. I'm going to break down my one through six, starting at the bottom. I'm going to kick it off with the East. Finishing in dead last, I got to go with Bowling Green. Um, Right now, they're just, they're in rebuild mode, right? You know, they've got... They've got a lot of things that they can improve on after last year going 0-6. Have winnable games. I think that's that's important for them is to get those winnable games. They've got, I believe it's Murray State and South Alabama coming to Bowling Green, or at least they're playing both of them. But I don't know if they have the ability to win more than one or two conference games. And that's why I have them sitting at six in the East Division. Yeah, they start off week one at Tennessee, and they're, Tennessee's favored by 34 points. Mm. So obviously it's a tough way to start the year. Then South Alabama comes to BG in the following week, where Murray State comes to BG, then they're on the road at Minnesota, then they start max season. Yeah, so I just – that that non-conference, they could definitely go two and two, but those two wins are going to be sandwiched between Power 5 opponents, and for a BG squad that's trying to rebuild, that's a tough draw right now. Yeah, absolutely. That is going to be tough for BG, especially if a, a young squad this year. And only 11 starters the, returning. Only 11 starters returning. Yeah, that's probably less than most most Mac schools this year. Sure. So, but, you know, they could also surprise us. You never know. They could. They absolutely could. Speaking of surprising stories, I'm moving on to my number five. Got Akron. We had the chance to talk to Coach Tom Arth at Media Day and he seemed excited about what his players are ready to do. They are also in kind of a rebuild, but I think that they they have a better chance of not finishing dead last, not being the bottom of the conference off of last year and what they did against BG last year. And I want to say it was like 35 to nothing uh, drubbing of Bowling Green last year. And I think Akron, if they make it through September, I think they've got Auburn and Penn State in the – early portion of the season they've got auburn penn state and ohio state i think so they've got a pretty rough schedule to start but they make it through that there's no reason that this akron team can't get back to playing at a decent level probably won't win the conference doesn't matter that they're going to have Cato nelson back i think that it's critical i mean he he led them to the mac championship 
appearance back in 2017 where they lost to Toledo. So they were definitely very offensively talented with him under center as a freshman. So if, if he can get some of that magic back, they could be a sleeper to make it to the MAC championship. More realistically, though, I think they finished towards the bottom of the conference, probably eke out a couple of conference wins, finishing in fifth in the East Division. Coach Arden was very optimistic this year. He really does like his team. But we kind of with BG in the same boat as they are very young. Having Nelson is huge. Um, but yeah, they are very young. But he's also very excited about this team. I think once when we talked to him, we kind of, this interview was kind of a spur of the moment thing. And, you know, we didn't know a whole, whole lot about Akron. And we talked to him, and then we kind of looked at each other at the end of this thing. Oh, this guy's great for the program. You know, we've had Jared Pugsley on, and he talked about the struggles he dealt with in his time at Akron. Mm-hmm. Now I think Akron finally has the right guy. Now it's just about putting all the pieces and parts in the right place, sure. and uh, they'll be on to something. Yeah, absolutely. I think Akron can definitely build off of what they've seen over the last couple of years and move towards becoming a power in the Mid-American Conference once again. On to number four, I've got Miami finishing number four in the East Division. They, we don't know much about Miami, not because of just what's out there. I mean, we know rosters, we know depth charts, things like that, but they only played three games last season. Miami had the smallest schedule of any team in the MAC. I believe they went two and one, actually upsetting now reigning MAC champions ball state in and week we won we won yeah but you know brett gabbert he had in three games he had four touchdowns no picks and completed 67 percent of his passes their road schedule is what is going to be very brutal for them this year they travel to muncie they travel to athens and play at ou and then they travel up to kent state so I I think Miami has some some real talent on the offensive side, especially with quarterback Brett Gabbert. But I also think that their defense is a little suspect on paper. For mm-hmm. me, I have them finishing fourth in the East Division. Yeah, you talked about them playing on the road. You know, they open up week one at Cincinnati, then had two Minnesota for week two. They host Long Island week three, then they're off to Army at week four. Mm-hmm. So that I mean they can go two and two in that non-conference. You know, fairly easy. Army might be tough, so maybe one and three, but still, then they open up with Central Michigan for the max season at home. Sure. Um, hey, you mentioned they go two months, they go to Athens, they go to Kent. Those are all tough places to play. Sure. And you know, we talked, we didn't get to talk to him, unfortunately, but uh, Sorensen, uh, the receiver, had a fantastic year last year. And uh, I think he's somebody who can, you can look towards this year. Yeah, Jack Sorensen, you know, he, 18 receptions, 354 yards, four touchdowns. He averaged almost 20 yards at reception mm-hmm. until he got, I think he got hurt there later on. Yeah. Uh, week or game two or three. But nevertheless, he's going to be one of those guys that uh, that's going to be kind of dependent on to, uh, Gabbard's going to depend on him a lot this year. Sure, sure. And I think, and, and you look at it too, they went through three quarterbacks last year in only three games. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of consistency under center. I think having Brett Gabbert back this year will be critical. Um, as the established starter. So I, I, you know, I hope for their sake that they can keep him healthy because mm-hmm. I think he does bring a lot, especially that combo of Gabbert to Sorensen. I think that's a pretty talented combo right there and could easily challenge or at least make a push to win the Mac East. But I have them sitting at number four. Definitely. It's interesting too, because you look at it here, the Miami only ran the ball a hundred times last year for eight or 381 yards. Mm-hmm. Sorensen led receivers with 18 receptions for 354. And the, the second place guy, Fort Wayne guy, Mike, uh, Mac Pippenhammer, mm-hmm. I believe he was a transfer from Penn State, wasn't he? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he's a Fort Wayne kid. He had five receptions for 77. So there's okay. a massive drop off there. Sure. Uh, between one and two. But like we, like we talked about, it's going to be a full season. These guys are going to get the reps. And they've, had a, they've had an entire offseason to get prepared and get ready, too. So th- I think this offseason benefits Miami more than it does any other MAC program. I think so. Yeah, I definitely I can definitely agree with that. Especially given that they didn't have many bumps and bruises from the previous season. They didn't play many games from the previous season. This is a real chance for them to really fine tune what they're doing in the weight room, in the in the film room, just really get everything in sync and get ready to kick off the season here against Cincinnati 
down in Cincinnati. So I have them at number four. Moving on to my number three, this is where I went back and forth for a while. My number three in the East, I'm picking the Buffalo Bulls. They were the number one team in the MAC last year until the MAC championship game. And it wasn't even close. I remember you and I talking about how how bad we expected them to kind of wax ball state in the Mac championship. And, and they just didn't, but I think right now you've got, you lost coach Lance Leipold. You lost a lot of players over to Kansas with the transfer following coach Leipold. But I think a lot of people are forgetting after losing Jarrett Patterson, you still have a stud of a running back in Kevin Marks. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think he, and then you've got Kyle Van trees under center again for Buffalo. So, I mean, those guys have a little bit of chemistry. They know how to work together. Wouldn't surprise me to see them contend, but I don't think that they're going to be finishing towards the top too much has happened in Buffalo. I think there's going to be a significant drop off from a year ago. Losing Jarrett Patterson is tough. You still have Kevin Marks, but I just think that this is a really, really tough team or tough schedule for this team to go back to Detroit again, hoping yeah. for their sake, they prove me wrong. Yeah, it really is. I mean, they, if you talk about teams that are hit hard by transfer, I don't know if there was any more, another team who was hit harder than Buffalo when you look at the grand scheme of, of things. But yeah, Marks, we saw him play a lot longer in the MAC championship because the injury to Patterson. So he did have a fantastic game. Uh, Van Trees is a good quarterback. He'll be able to get you wins, but to get you back to, to Detroit is going to be tough. Um, but only time will tell. And as long as that everybody stays healthy, obviously a new coach, you know, his system, how many guys buy in quickly and they have to buy in really quickly because Leopold left right before camp started, I believe before spring ball. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, he hasn't had a whole lot of time with the guys. And so they're kind of to get up to speed quickly. Um, but they, they'll be a fun team to watch because they start off week one with Wagner and go to Nebraska. Then they host coastal Carolina. Which that'll be a really fun game. I have a, a ranked twenty second Coastal Carolina come into town, uh, then Old Dominion, then they start the uh, start the max season. Sure, yeah, I think it'll be an interesting early test. I mean, that September schedule looks fairly easy, save Coastal Carolina, and I still think that's a team they can beat if they play some solid defense the way they did in their bowl game. But that that September schedule is easy. It's going to get a lot harder come October, but Buffalo is my number three for the, they, they have to have the easiest non-conference schedule in the conference. Pretty close. If not, if not the easiest, definitely one of the easiest. Because Nebraska is very beatable. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We've uh, moving on to my number two, and this is where I really, really struggled. My number two and my number one aren't what a lot of people are picking. My number two, I've got Kent state. I think Kent State has one of the best offenses in the MAC with Dustin Crum under center. Last year, he had almost 1,200 yards passing, 12 touchdowns, 75% completions. Their biggest weakness, and I think it'll be a weakness again, their defense. They can score a lot of points, but their defense leaks like a sieve, averaging 38 points per contest, including 70 last year to the Buffalo Bulls, 500 yards on the ground in that game. I mean, Jarrett Patterson just ran all over him, and that and that's what they knew worked, right, is Kent State has a very weak run defense, and I think that their schedule early on, we're going to learn a lot about this Kent State, very, Kent State team very quickly. They've got Texas A&M, Iowa, and Maryland that they have to play against. I think they have the hardest – non-conference schedule in the Mac this year because none of those games are going to be easy wins. They're going to have to grind and show up and really just try to outscore them for 60 minutes because there's no way that this Kent State team will compete with those teams for all four quarters unless they can keep scoring. Yeah, absolutely. That was one thing we learned at media day is Kent State was kind of a hot topic among, amongst the media wanting to talk to them. Uh, because they are favorite, you know, a, I'm not gonna say a perennial favorite, but they are a favorite to end at the top of the MAC because of their quarterback play. You know, they do have a fantastic quarterback 
coming back. And I'm sorry for finding my stats here. Yeah, Dustin Crumb threw for 1,100 yards last year, almost 1,200. Um, you look at his completion rate, I mean, he was 83 of 113 for 1,181 yards, playing 73%. Um, boy, you look at rushing, he only had 1,000 yards on the year. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to lean heavily on Crumb uh, to kind of motor this team through the season. But you mentioned, mentioned that schedule, you know, A&M is tough, VMI, and then at Iowa, at Maryland. Then they finally are home for BG. But, I mean, that's a very, very tough non-conference schedule. One SEC team and two Big Ten teams. But then I, get, I don't know if I consider Maryland a Big Ten team anymore. But, nevertheless, they are in the conference. And so they do have it rough those first four weeks. But, you know, who knows? Maybe they do. Maybe Crum, he's projected to be the top quarterback in the MAC this year, if mm-hmm. not one of, if he may be the top. And so, uh, you know, we'll see. He's got a great opportunity, though. Uh, I mean, the average 49.8, 49 points a game last year and scored a total of 100, 199 points with 27 total touchdowns. Sure. And you know, go through a full season, those numbers could, they're going to bounce up and they could be impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think he has all the potential in the world. This is his big big shot to to prove that he's an elite quarterback in the country. And I think he is. So this is an opportunity for him to really showcase that. Getting those big road trips to Texas AM, Iowa, and Maryland. Good opportunity to perform on a national and more regional stage. Let people really see what he's all about. Sure. Yeah, Chrome was kind of hard to get at media day. There's yeah. a lot of people around him, around him wanting to talk. Yes, that he was one that we wanted, but we're unable to get, which is fine. We'll uh, we'll get him next time. Um, we've got my number one. And we can dive into your East predictions. I've got the Ohio University Bobcats picked to finish first in the East Division. For me, they just have such an incredible defense. That's something they've always been able to do is just play really great defense. Last year, they they did only play three games similar to Miami, but they held opponents to under 20 points in each game. That was what they were averaging. I think it was like 18 points that they were averaging a game that they allowed. They are going to get tougher games at home. Like you've got Kent State and Toledo both visiting OU. And then... I think that there is going to be a fairly seamless transition from Frank Solich because everybody on the staff has stayed the same. There is, I've been watching them. There have not been any staff changes or any significant staff changes that I've seen. I think that this roster has stayed together very well. They're not an old team, but they're not a young team either. They've got experience. This is going to be a team who comes to play. I think we could we could really see what they do when they get again Toledo, Kent State, Central Michigan, all going to OU. Could be an interesting test to see how good this OU team is once they get into the meat of the conference schedule. Definitely, you know they're one of the teams too, kind of like Buffalo, where they're adding a new coach late, later into camp, and so it's really even though he was with the program, they're still going to have to buy into his philosophy. Because I believe he was, what, an offensive coordinator? I believe uh, so, yeah. Prior. Yeah. And so, you know, he's going to be the head coach now, which is obviously going to be different. Um, but it's nice, too, for these guys. It gives these guys some stability because they gave him a four-year contract. It's, he's not just an interim coach. So that's kind of one of those nice distractions you don't have to really worry about, especially when it comes to playing, not only, not only playing, but recruiting as well for OU. And so I think you're right. It could be – has a great opportunity to be a seamless transition with him being in the program. And I'm sure many of his philosophies are going to be the same as Frank Solich. Sure. And I think, I think it'll be really interesting to see what they end up doing under his tutelage. And I'm excited to see what OU brings mm-hmm. to the table. They are my East division champion. That is who I am picking to win the East. Um, did you have any thoughts or any rankings you would change? What, where, where, where are you at with the East Division? Yeah, I'm pull up my numbers here real quick, my, my rankings. We think ours are fairly similar, but we do have a couple different changes here. Obviously, I start off with BG starting in last. Sure. Uh, or finishing last. Then after them, I had Akron. Uh, 
you know, hated putting him so low because Coach Arnold is such a great guy to talk to. Sure. But they are extremely young. Yes. They are very young. And then after them, I had Buffalo. Um, they're going to fall off a little bit, even though they do return some star players with a new coach and with how kind of ravaged they were by transfers, both on offense and defense. They're going to be plugging in a lot of new guys this year because they were loaded with talent last year. Mm-hmm. And who was that receiver they lost in transfer? Um, uh, it wasn't oh. none, was it? It was none, yep. Was it, it was none? none? Okay. Yes. And so I believe so. And uh, he was a stud. And so, he, I mean, obviously he's going to be a huge, huge uh, loss. Let me see, I'm pulling up here real quick. Well, he went to the NFL, actually. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He didn't transfer. That's right. I think he went to the league. He went to the yeah. NFL. Yeah, he left early. Yeah, he's with the Falcons now. Yep. Um, man, they, I thought they lost somebody, too. They Maybe lost they a lot of players. I felt like every single day for a couple weeks we were seeing yep. Buffalo well, they player them. transfers, Buffalo player transfers. Yep, right. Trevor Wilson, he went to Kansas. That's right. He, he went to Kansas. Um, let's see here. Ruiz, Giovanni Ruiz is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I'm just going down the list here. But, yeah, obviously losing none is huge. And Wilson was their second leading receiver last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, obviously, Mark's down here as well, who had a lot of – he was very active in the receiving game last year. Um, yeah. as, as well absolutely but yeah so i mentioned buffalo there finishing uh, second to last there and then i went OU. just i know their defense is great but that offense is still going to be a little worrisome i think okay um you know, they did struggle on that side of the ball last year if my numbers want to pull up here that'd be great here we go <laughs> well you can never like technology can you no no so we'll get their stats last year you know Rorick threw for 387 yards. He was 30 of 44. Now, obviously, this is all a COVID year, uh, shortened season. They only ran the ball for 403 yards in mm. three games. You know, that's not great. And, and whether that's play calling, whether that's offensive line play, you know, who knows? But, I mean, he Tuggle was a run, leading running back. He averaged 7.6 yards a carry, and uh, he had six touchdowns, you know, there's only eight rushing touchdowns. He had six of them. Um, and there was what four receiving touchdowns all last year. So I think that OU, that OU offense is going to be a little worrisome. I like the defense though. Hopefully that defense can't keep them in the ball game. And I think they can do that. Um, let's see here. Where am I at now? Third, second place. I had, uh, I had Miami actually. I'm still high on Miami. Okay. I do like Sorensen. And I do like Gabbert. They obviously did knock off Ball State last year, week one. That was either an overtime game or like a last-minute game. I forget. It was a last-minute game, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I really do like them. I think Gabbert, given a full season healthy, he can do great things for that Red Hawk offense uh, because they've proven they can move the ball. Mm -hmm. I think once everybody's healthy and uh, you know having a full camp is huge for them as well. And so I think they're going to benefit greatly here from this offseason. And in first place, I have Kent. I okay. really like Kent. Um, I like Crum. You know, he's one of those guys that we mentioned we wanted to talk to at Media Day, but just didn't have the opportunity to. Paid through for thou- over almost two thousand twelve hundred yards last year. Mm-hmm. Um, through twelve touchdowns. When uh, you know, looking at him, he's obviously projected to be one of the top quarterback in the MAC. I disagree with that. There's another quarterback I think who will be a little higher than him, but we'll get to that later. Um, but yeah, Dustin Crum has a phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity here. He's going into a senior year and starting off week one at Texas A&M. I think there's another better place for a quarterback to make a statement than down there at uh, or College Station. That's what it's called. Yep, yeah, College Station. So College Station. You know, Ball State started off down there a couple of years ago and got hammered. But nevertheless, they had Miles Garrett on their team, so sure, that's gonna kind of that's gonna kind of kind of happen. It kind of tells you the story of uh, that game. <laughs> that does, and we had a freshman quarterback. It was Riley Neal's freshman year. Yep, that's so, right. That's right. Yeah, I don't think he started. But I think Ozzy Mann started, but then Riley came in halfway through and just didn't get any better. Okay, but okay. but yeah, so that's you got I, Kent State winning the East Division. All right, I, I like it. I like it. That's uh, 
a little bit different for both of us. I'm picking the Bobcats to win it. You know, how poetic, how poetic would it be for Frank Solich who works so hard at OU for all those years. And then his team gets back to the Mac championship the year after he leaves. That would just, how insane would that be? Absolutely. It was so cool kind of talking to the commissioner about Frank Solich, his impact on the Mac mm-hmm. and you know, how, how greatly he will be missed. And obviously sure. we were bummed because we wanted to talk to him. He was our number one guest since we started the podcast. Yep. And of course he decides to retire uh, a week or two prior. Literally the but, week uh, right before media day. <laughs> yeah. But they did a really cool tribute video to him. That was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I think we actually re- we retweeted that at one point from our account. Yep. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. But yeah, it's gonna be weird looking at that sideline because he's he'd been there on that sideline for what 16 something yeah, like that? 16 seasons now. Yeah, and so uh he had a lot of big wins, a lot of big upsets versus power five schools. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of funny too because after he retired, many Nebraska fans kind of came out and said, Yeah, Nebraska made a huge mistake by firing him. Yep. So you know they're uh the Mac and uh, OU definitely benefited off his, off of that happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now moving on to the West division, this is the tougher of the two divisions, I think. And I think that's a pretty universally recognized fact is that the West division is just traditionally tougher than the East division top to bottom. The West division is always so hard to pick because any given week, any of these teams could rise up and take the division starting with my number six though. As much as I love talk is talking to Coach Thomas Hammock, I got to go Northern Illinois. They have I, – I think if they played in the East Division, they they would probably be sitting fourth in, in, in my rankings. But being it over here in the West Division, I mean, they get to play Toledo. They get to play Central Michigan. They get to play Western Michigan, Ball State. Like, the team they could beat, I think, would be Eastern Michigan. They did get transfer from Michigan State, Rocky Lombardi, who looks to be the starting quarterback for this team. Interestingly enough, if Rocky Lombardi and Northern Illinois upset Michigan this year, Rocky Lombardi will be the only quarterback in college football history to beat Michigan at two different schools during his undergrad. That's impressive. How insane would that be? Now, obviously, you know, we have to hope Northern Illinois can do that. And we're obviously cheering for the Huskies in that game. But that would be just in an absolutely crazy stat to have as a as a quarterback. And to not only do it from being a Big Ten quarterback, but then now you go to the perceived lesser conference of the Mid-American Conference and then do it again. To me, that would be crazy. But it would be. And that's a huge pickup super NIU getting a quarterback who has experience in big games like that. Sure, sure, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's going to benefit them. But I also think that, you know, there's a lot of emotion in those games. He's not going to have the same res- talent level receivers, same offensive line that he had at Michigan State. Maybe a slightly worse, um, given the, the nature of Michigan State and everything. But I think Rocky's going to have his work cut out for him, especially playing in front of Michigan's home crowd of 110,000. That being said, Northern Illinois, they're only returning 10 starters from last year's team, which isn't bad, especially for this team who is, they literally blew it up last year, didn't just kind of toss in the towel, said, hey, we're just going to use this year to gain experience. That's not bad for a team trying to gain experience, but only 10 starters makes that really, really tough to build on, especially because it's not consistent on one side of the ball or the other. I think it's five and five on either side. Mm-hmm. So that's really tough for Northern Illinois. No, it really is. And, you know, we had a great conversation with coach hammock about this season and uh, what he, what he uh, expects from his players. And look, this guy, this is a guy who, you know, made me want to run through a brick wall, a fantastic coach. These guys are very lucky to have him being a former Husky himself and having coached in the national football league for many years. I think they've got a great opportunity to maybe not pull up an upset up in Ann Arbor, but maybe keep the game close. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. I think, and that'll be, that'll be a critical point in the season. Sure. It's an early September game, but that'll be a critical moment in defining what this season is going to be for the Huskies. Absolutely. Cause I mean, I can remember the years not too long ago where Northern Illinois was I mean, not only Mac recognized, but nationally recognized sure. with Jordan Lynch and, and a couple guys who made it to the National Football League. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. So that's where I have Northern Illinois sitting. Moving on to my number five, Eastern Michigan. They return one of the deepest teams in the Mid-American Conference, but they also were a team that went two and four last year. This is a team that is led by Preston Hutchinson. Um, and he did a phenomenal job last year. I mean, they were scoring almost 35 points a game, every single game. And their non-conference really isn't bad, except for the game that they traveled to Wisconsin. Like you look at that non-conference schedule and you're like, okay, they could easily go three and one, you know, save the Wisconsin game. And I think that they're, they're, they have a couple solid conference games with games at Bowling Green and against Northern Illinois, but I don't see them moving higher than, I don't know, six and six, seven and five at best overall, just because they've got so many more talented teams sitting right ahead of them. This is not an Eastern Michigan squad that I think can do such a complete turnaround where they'll go and win the MAC championship going from two and four to 11 and two tall task, a very difficult one to complete, especially in the West division of the mid-American conference. It really is. You know, there's some, you look at this side of the conference here, there's probably three teams who, if they were in the East could compete to win it, if not finish second place, the West is just so competitive and it's not going to get any less competitive here, especially when you go to the top three teams, which I'm sure our top three teams are fairly similar, just in a different order. Um, but yeah, the West is just so tough and you look at, I believe last year, every team in the West played all six games, didn't they? Yeah. Every West, West, all six games, it was the East that was in complete shambles with COVID. Yeah. So it's going to be a great opportunity. I think Eastern Michigan, if they long, as long as they keep things competitive, you know, we obviously did not get to talk to anybody from Eastern. I wanted to, we just didn't have time. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of one of the interesting things too, about, Media Day being in Detroit, Eastern, Western, and Central were very popular amongst the local media. So it's kind of hard to get a hold of some of those guys sure. uh, and talk talk ball with them. But sure. nevertheless, we were able to for uh, Central, which was a lot of fun. But sure. yeah, Eastern, you know, they're going to struggle. But, you know, I do like Hutchinson, though. I really do like their quarterback. I think he has an opportunity. He threw for 1,600 yards last year. Uh, he throws a very nice deep ball. Um, you kind of pulling up some stats here from the team last year, you know, 33 and a half points a game, 201 total points with 24 total touchdowns. Um, you know, he can sling it. And, uh, you know, that's something he's going to have to do in order to win uh, ball games this year. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see. I think that they can definitely get to the six and six mark. I just don't think we'll be seeing them compete for the Mac championship this year, which is fine. There's still a program that's still, you know, they're really trying to understand Chris Creighton has done an excellent job of turning them around from being a bottom dweller to a team who has consistently beat Big Ten opponents on a regular basis. So Eastern Michigan on the rise. Don't see them getting past fifth in the West Division. My fourth place team, however, is one of their in-state rivals, Central Michigan. Jim McElwin returning for his third season up at Central Michigan. Big test on the road in the first month, the month of September, we've got two games against two SEC Tigers, both LSU and Missouri. But I think that this is a good team who has a lot of talent, who can really step up and play some ball with almost anybody in the Mid-American Conference. I do have them sitting at fourth because I think they have, they have tough road games at Western and at Toledo. But I do think Central Michigan is a team that they catch you at the right time that they can beat you. So sitting at fourth, Western Michigan, or sorry, sitting at fourth, Central Michigan, watch for this team to do pull a few upsets. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you kind of look at the schedule. They go to Missouri, then they go uh, travel to LSU week three. You know, Coach McElwain was kind of very blunt with us when we talked about LSU. And he obviously he's coaching the SEC, so he knows how that, that works. He goes, look, this is a money game for us. And he kind of flat out said that, which kind of took me back a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I think that having his experience benefits Central more than any other team in the, in the conference. Sure. The simple fact that he's played in Death Valley before. He's prepped for primetime against LSU before. 
Um, so he, he knows what it's like. Obviously, that game's oh, that game's it is prime time. Yep. Uh, seven thirty on the SEC Network. So he's he's played night games at a happy or at a Death Valley. So he gets it. Um, but how brutal is that? That you're a you're a MAC team and you have to go play them in a prime time game at their stadium. That's just right. brutal. That's a tough way to start the season, definitely. Uh, but I mean, I can see them going to Missouri and beating them though very easily. Sure. You know, Missouri's Missouri's a team who's been kind of irrelevant for a number of years. They're only favored by 13 points. That 13 points isn't much, honestly, especially no. from a MAC to an SEC team. No, they, they don't have the line out yet for LSU, but they could easily go to Missouri and win that because they did it against Oklahoma State a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At OK State, too. Man, a lot of Oklahoma State people listening to this, you know, all one of them are shuddering listening to uh absolutely bring that memory back up nightmares as we nightmares as we record this a quarter after nine (laughs) o'clock but yeah so i i agree with you central michigan it's you know brutal brutal september schedule but you know we'll see what happens i think that they've got a lot of potential a lot of star power that is untapped but they do benefit from having coach mcelwin as probably the most heavily seasoned coach in the conference like you said when he coached at florida and coaching in the sec and you know all of his different stops definitely one of the more seasoned veteran coaches in the conference coming back for his third season yeah they definitely have a quarterback too who doesn't get talked a lot talked about a lot the daniel richardson i think he's got a great opportunity to become a kind of a a under the radar star in that conference this year sure no absolutely i think he's got a good opportunity in front of him as well He's uh he doesn't get talked about because there are a few other quarterbacks in the conference we'd like to talk about, such as the quarterback for my number three team, Caleb Elby from Western Michigan, the last of the divisional Michigans or the directional Michigans on my ranking coming in at number three. This is where I think things get shaken up a little bit. We've got Western Michigan probably has the best offense in the conference solely because LB is such a phenomenal dual threat quarterback. He only had two interceptions last year to 18 touchdowns. That's, that's a one or it's a nine to one ratio. That's impressive. I don't care. You know, I don't care what level of football you play. That's not something you see very often. So I, you know, I'm very impressed with him as a player. They, they had a miracle win against Toledo a year ago when Toledo collapsed, gave up, you know, their 10 point lead in the last five minutes. So I think this Western team gets lucky, but I also think that they, they understand that the game's not over until it's over. I mean, they almost upset ball state or they almost beat ball state at the end of the game at the end of the season last year to go to the max championship game. This is a Western team that has a lot of fight. I really do see them contending and probably knocking off one of the two teams in front of them. But I think that they're also a team who can lose games that they shouldn't lose, such as the Eastern Michigan game last year, which is what I think will keep them out of the Mid-American Conference Championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they open up week one at Michigan in the big house. And Michigan's only favored by 17 and a half points. That's not, again, that's not a lot. Um Oh, and side note, too, I'm looking at their logo, and I think I'm looking at the Washington football team logo. Like, it's just not it's great. Awful. Come on, Western. Yeah. They And they did that, like, what, the day before media day or something like that? You're like, yeah, it was like the week or two weeks before media day. And just, yeah, no, it just, it's, by the fans, it's not been very well received because, like you said, it does look like the Washington football team logo. By the athletes, I'm sure that there's there's a mix of, emotions but it seems like from what i see on online chatter everybody wants the ghost bronco back right no that was a great looking bronco yeah um but yeah i mentioned they start off week one at ann arbor then they host uh, illinois state the redbirds in their week two travel to Pitt week three that'll be a tough one and then they come home for san jose state who is not great against max schools as we learned last year sure. um and the arizona bowl so I mean, they have an opportunity to they can go two and two in their pre- in their non-conference very easily, and their first conference game is at Buffalo. Uh, and they go, then they host Ball State. So, uh, oh, that's my wedding day too. That Ball State Western Michigan game will be a rematch of last year's MAC West Division title game, which was 
again, a game that came right down to the finish, which was just a phenomenal finish for both, both squads, Ball State ultimately topping Western Michigan in that game to advance to the MAC championship game. But man, what a finish for Ball State and Western, both just playing their hearts out to what, you know, with a trip to Detroit on the line. Sure. Yeah. Hopefully that game is early because I get married that afternoon. So yeah, I'm hoping it's early for you as well. (laughs) That's let's hope. Moving to number two, and this is where I know for sure you and I will differ. I've got the Ball State Cardinals finishing in second. Yes, they are the reigning MAC champions. They have 10 starters on offense that just absolutely just they played well. They played to their strengths. They weren't flashy. And I think that's one of the big things. They they weren't flashy until the MAC championship game and until the bowl game. They just came out. They put their heads down, they worked in the trenches, and they focused. Quarterback Drew Plitt, we had a chance to talk with him. Classy guy, uh, very good dresser, I think, as you pointed out on the show. And just, I mean, you could just tell he's hungry. He wants to win another MAC title. He wants to go out and he wants to win. He wants to compete. I think the, the game that I have circled on my calendar, and I think most Ball State and Toledo fans have circled, is that Ball State-Toledo game. Ball State topped Toledo last year on a late, late interception as Toledo was driving. And that ultimately sealed the deal for Ball State to win that game. I do believe Ball State will bring a lot of firepower into this game, a lot of firepower into the season. It's a rough schedule. You start off at Penn State, you play Wyoming, and those are both on the road. And then two of their first three conference games are at Eastern and at Western Michigan. So you've got a brutal first portion of the schedule. You survive that first portion. Ball state might have a shot. I still think the game to circle on the calendar is Toledo at ball state. Yeah, that's going to be a huge one. Uh, I was just two high powered offenses. As we mentioned, I would drew say, or I think it was neither new or drew Plitz. They have like 20 some stars coming back in total. I think, I think it was uh Coach New said that they had, yeah, something like 20 starters returning. Which is huge. Yeah. Especially coming off the first ever MAC championship and first bowl win of their uh of the school's history. But mm-hmm. yeah, against Toledo, that's gonna be a massive that'd be a great game on well, when is that? Let's pull up the schedule here. I want to say that's oh, like, it's early on in the season too. So that's the first yeah. I was gonna say so, it's like October 5th or something like that. Yeah, October October 25th. Uh, yeah, 25th. that's yeah. That's right. Cause we were supposed to go try to go to that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that'll be a great game to be at. Great, be a great game to watch. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too, because they go from the Mac to a non-conference back to the Mac. They go to UMass, um, their week four, one, two, three, a former four, week Mac. five, rather. A former Mac team there. Yeah. Former Mac team. Yeah. So that'll be a good one to watch too, but you obviously mentioned Toledo, uh, and Notre Dame their week two. That'll be a fun one to watch. Uh, but then again, you're not going to be able to watch it. Because on, where are you going? Trying to figure it out. Yeah. Cause uh, it's on Peacock. So not everybody's going to be able to watch it. Right. Which, which is really unfortunate. And, you know, we'll talk about Toledo here in a minute, but that's really unfortunate that Notre Dame and NBC had that game bumped to Peacock because that was a chance for Toledo to play on a national stage with against a national brand. And now you're limiting the market. I think it's just uh, just a poor business decision all around because, yes, Notre Dame's still going to get their their money from the the licensing deal, but it's just just a poor business decision all around, in my opinion. Yeah, it really is. I'm kind of interested to see how that does turn out. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, you mentioned you have Toledo – or excuse me, Ball State at number two, yep. which obviously puts Toledo at number one. Toledo at number one, 21 starters returning. Probably the second best offense in the MAC overall. Their biggest glaring weakness: who's going to be under center, Daquan Finn or Carter Bradley? And I know when we talked to Coach Candle at Media Day, he, you know, we asked him about are they going to do a split duty like Austin Danton and Terrence Owens? He says no. We're going to go. We're going to install one offense, and we're going to go with the guy who can run the offense. So I think that's, I think that's critical, right? This is a team who who wants to win, hasn't been back to Detroit since 2017. They do go to Ball State. However, they get to host both Western and Eastern Michigan. 
big road test will be at OU and big road test will be at ball state. They're they could easily go three and one in non-conference play. Uh, the one loss coming to Notre Dame, but Notre Dame, they catch Notre Dame on a short week, Notre Dame playing on a a primetime Sunday night at Florida state, right before they come home to play Toledo. So Notre Dame, a lot of emotion. Toledo gets to play Norfolk state to open the season. So you get a nice little warm up game. The last time Toledo played a power five opponent after a warm-up game, Arkansas versus Toledo. Toledo pulled the upset back in 2015 at Arkansas. Not saying it's going to happen here, but Arkansas was ranked then. Notre Dame will be ranked going into this game, barring a loss to Florida State. I'm saying anything can happen if you uh, keep the game close in the fourth quarter. It'll be interesting to see. But I do like Toledo's chances to finish the season 10-2. and two. I think that there's a lot going on. I think Carter Bradley is probably the the way to go with Toledo, getting him under center, because he's going to have the most experience of anybody on this roster. I think you got to go with the guy with the experience to give you the best chance to win. Just that's that's who who I think does it. And my prediction is Toledo versus Ohio in the MAC championship. Toledo winning it, twenty eight twenty four. All right. I mean, I kind of gave you my two cents into the teams when I thought about them. So kind of like my finishing last in the West is Eastern Michigan. Sure. Uh, then I went with NIU, then Central Michigan, then Western, then Toledo, then Ball State. I just think, obviously, Ball State's going to be an obvious choice for me just because it's my school. But also talking to Drew Plitt and Mike New, this their energy being back in Ford Field a couple of months after winning the MAC championship for the first time. You could tell they were still just pumped. Now, they both had that glow, if you will, uh, when we started talking about it. They were both excited. It was a similar feeling. As Drew said, because I asked Drew, you know, is it the same feeling walking in here as it was walking out in December? He goes, it's the same feeling, but it's a new mission. And that mission is simple, and it's just to get back to Detroit. And they have all the uh, talent in the world to do so. Obviously, Drew Plitt coming back is massive. He's great for the program. he can be somebody who is very similar to coach new in the way they think and the way they approach the game. Um, you know, looking numbers wise here, obviously we lost Caleb Hutley. He missed the last two games of the year because he had opted out, but Taylor Evans is huge. Jordan Hall's back. Excuse me, Justin Hall. Uh, he's back for his senior year. He had 665 yards receiving with uh, four touchdowns. That's a massive target for, uh, for Drew. Sure. Johans Tyler. Um, so there's a lot of talent here. Cody Rudy, a fullback. I mean, you don't see very many fullbacks anymore. He had a nice uh, he had a nice bowl game last year. So there's a lot of talent surrounding uh, Drew Plitt in the offense, and it's just gonna be a matter of executing. And you know, I saw on social media today, the thing was the offense won in scrimmage, and so they got Kona Ice, which is a uh, a shaved ice stand in Muncie. So they brought that to the stadium and the offense who won got shaved ice. And so coach new seems like one of those guys who he likes to keep his players loose. Um, he's done a great job of that last year. You know, mm-hmm. it's taken him a couple of years to kind of find his way, if you will. And uh, he finally has the right guys in the right spot. And, uh, you know, drew Plitt through for 2,154 yards last year in six games, which is, uh, which is a great number to put up. He, was two, 164 for 250, 65% completion rate. Um, I think he's looking to continue that this year. And, you know, they we talked about uh, their non-conference schedule. They've got a tough one. Like you mentioned, they start with Western Western Illinois, then travel to Penn State, then to Wyoming, and host Toledo, then they're at, then they host Army. Mm-hmm. Um, so Happy Valley is going to be tough, but I don't think anything scares these guys. I think they have a great opportunity to go into Happy Valley at 3.30 kickoff. Yep. And, uh, you know, Coach New mentioned that the noise is going to be one of the biggest things they have to compete with. And, uh, you know, I think that's something they haven't come out with the odds yet for it. But I think this is a game that Ball State can be competitive in. Will they win it? I don't know. But they can keep, they can stay competitive. They're not getting blown out. Sure. Sure. No, I, I think I think you're right. I think this will be a very unique season. A lot of these MAC teams, especially the ones that we have ranked towards the top, are returning a lot of starters. And I think that'll be the difference maker. I really do. I think 
the guys that we see at the bottom returning, you know, eight to 10 to 12 starters, that's great, good foundation building blocks, but the team's returning 18, 19, 20, 21 starters. It's you're, you're going to be hard pressed to compete with that guys who are seasoned, know the, know the system, understand what's expected versus guys who are starting freshmen and backups. I think, I think it'll be a really interesting season. So and you have Ball State finishing to repeat, right? You have them yes. beating Kent State in the finals, right? Beating Kent State, yep. Okay. And what a quarterback duel that would be. Oh man, yeah. Plitt versus Crum. I would I'd I'd pay big bucks to see that. Absolutely. So cool. Well, there you guys have it. I have Toledo winning the West, beating Ohio in the MAC championship. Ohio coming out of the East. AJ has picked Ball State to beat. Kent State in the MAC championship, Ball State out of the West, Kent State out of the East. Four different teams, 12 different programs in the MAC. One of them has to make it, right? <laughs> Somebody does, and hopefully it's the right one. Right, exactly. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We are going to get back on our regular recording schedule, get you guys more MAC content, get you up to date on recaps, on predictions, previews, things like that. So, please, please, please keep sharing it out. Please keep retweeting it, liking our content, helping us grow. We're at almost a thousand followers on Twitter. So the more, the more engagement, more interaction we get from you guys, the better we can grow the brand. We really do appreciate the love and support. That's about all I have. AJ, do you have anything else you wanted to throw out there? Yeah, you know, if you guys continue to share our content, it helps us dramatically. Um, we're also going to work on getting some guests here the next couple of weeks. We have a couple of ideas of how we want to do things and how who we want to talk to. So hopefully we can get something. Uh, and I think they're actually non-football related too. So that'd be kind of cool to get one last uh, non-football interview in here before we start the heavy into football season. Sure. Um, we're going to start doing a recap of Mac uh, rookies in the NFL here this preseason. We're going to tweet out their stats on a graphic. We did that the other day. Mm-hmm. That, turned, you should, that You did that rather. That turned out to be a really cool idea. And that actually turned out really good. That got a lot of interaction. So we're going to continue to do that um, through the preseason and hopefully through the rest of the NFL regular season. Um, and kind of do up to date with what players made rosters, which didn't, and so on and so forth. But yeah, continue the uh, the likes, the shares, everything. It really does help us, and uh, we'll continue you guys bringing us content. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it, and we will see you next week. See you. <laughs>